Good morning. Um, before I forget, before I get into the communion message, and then we're going to have communion honoring the king, um, I got, uh, Joanna had sent me a dream that her daughter had. Uh, I always call her little Elise. She's not that little. I think she's about 14, but she believed it was a dream for the body, and I want to share it before we start, because when we were singing the song Waymaker, he really is a waymaker. No matter how anything looks, he is a waymaker. Uh, no matter what we see, no matter what we think, he always has victory. He always has victory for us. And, and I know we've heard this a lot in the last uh, couple months, but when Moses, when he was called as the prophet to, to free the people from Pharaoh's grip, they saw so many signs and wonders. They had so many ups and downs. And, that, and yet, when they saw the pillar of cloud, when they saw the fire, when they saw all that God had done and the plagues that he had moved mightily um, with, they came upon the Red Sea. And at that moment, I can't believe that anybody, even in this house, would not fear a little bit. When they saw the chariots and, and the armies coming, uh, to they were cornered right there. And I can't imagine them not screaming at Moses, as they often did, saying, well, the prophets were wrong. The prophet is wrong. God is not going to rescue us, right? And yet, he split the sea, and he buried his enemies right at the last moment. Why? Because Moses couldn't get the credit. Nobody could get the credit, but God Almighty got the credit. It was his people bringing them out, and he glorified himself. So we never know what God's going to do. But I do believe that he is, I know in my experience, he is a God of the 12th hour. <laughs> um, he is a God that sometimes feels like you're hanging over a cliff, and yet he's always there to hold you up. He's always there to catch you. And so we continue to pray. We continue to, to believe, and that's why I want to read this simple dream that Elise had that was so powerful because we, we have been praying. We're praying for the nation. We're not going to stop. Um, and it was last Monday she had this dream. Um, passing on a dream from Elise, she feels is for the body that she had last night. She said she saw a small group of people praying in, in a dark tunnel, carrying torches and walking. The tunnel got narrower and darker, but yet we pressed on and kept praying. Finally, we saw light at the end of the tunnel, then great light and great brightness. And that just made me think of the, the Red Sea experience. So I just say that to encourage us, you know, keep praying, don't ever stop praying. It's never over until the fat lady sings. <laughs> okay. So, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that we have an opportunity, Father, to, as a body, to gather around the communion table, to remember what you gave, to remember who you are, to remember the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, to remember everything that you have apprehended for us, Father. We just want to glorify you, Lord God, this day. We want to remind ourselves of things that we already know, that we would proclaim that your blood is enough, your sacrifice was enough, and we thank you, Father, that we can call you Father. We thank you that we can call Jesus our Savior and our Messiah. We thank you that we've been purchased with a great price, and that price has been paid in full. Father, we just glorify you, and I pray, Lord, that the Spirit of the living God would open our hearts for a greater depth of understanding of the communion table and what you are doing in this day in Jesus' mighty name. There's something about taking the communion, taking communion together as a body, which we haven't done. I know that um, many times, I, you know, you take it as family and you take it um, many times alone. But there's something about the body coming together 
because the Lord loves the body. There's power in the body. There's power in um, the body of Christ. I was just back there taking pictures of Gavin because he's standing up there, and his Rick just worships like this anymore, his hands straight up. You know, he's just standing there for the whole, it makes me want to cry. He stood there for the whole service, every song, like this. I don't know, how old are you? Who does that at that age? There's no way that he's just doing it to, to mimic his father, but his father's been an example, and, and I believe the Lord's just so pleased with that, just blessed me. I took a lot of pictures, a lot of pictures. So, the cross and his blood. I'll stick to my notes. The better covenant, his sacrifice, and all of its benefits that we possess because of his great commitment and sacrifice could never be discussed in a few minutes in a morning church service. It takes a lifetime of him unfolding his promises to us for us to understand what he's done. It takes a lifetime. But I pray today in this small moment of time that we would leave here with a greater magnitude. We would possess a greater hope and trust in the one who gave everything to possess us. It really is all about him. This Sunday being pre-Thanksgiving, what an opportunity to be thankful and to remember. You know, when I, was a, when I was young and the church that I went to and was raised in, communion was always really um, oh, built about around sin, which is true. We, we, you come and you repent. You make sure that your heart is right. That is true. But you miss the, the power of it. You miss the, the love of it. I did anyway. You know, maybe I just perceived it that way. But I was always sin conscious, conscience my conscience was always seared, <laughs> and I would always come before him and, and repent and hope that it was okay because of what, you know, the place I was raised in. And I don't knock that. I thank God for the fear of the Lord because many times today nobody takes the time to search their heart, so I'm not saying that. But there is so much blessing, so much power, so much a foundation of love that he's laid for us by his great blessing that I didn't realize uh, as a child so being thankful, we come before him and we're thankful for all he's done. Um, remembering all that he's done, being thankful in all things. Even in this year, 2020, we can be thankful. This year, more than ever, we should be thankful. Because the Lord looks for us to have joy in tribulation. He looks for us to be thankful. That's the children he's looking for, that we would proclaim his goodness. In a year of 2020, with sickness, with unrest, with divisions, with delayed results, with shutdowns, with shortages, with violence, all of that and more, we his people can and should continue to say, our Lord and King is with us, and to keep believing against all odds. His broken body and his, and his spilt blood protects us. It consoles us. It delivers us. We hear, I've said this before in many Bible studies, a neighbor of mine, we would pray, and she would put a lot of adjectives to the blood as if it was a, as if it was a, um, magical sentence that you say and that you're you were delivered so we would pray for people and she would say you know like you we we learn these catchphrases almost the blood of jesus and not understand the power of the blood you know it's what he did you know what did all that mean but her in her innocence she would say <laughs> she would just put so many adjectives to it she'd say um the blood the thick rich bubbling hot blooded Jesus Christ, you know, deliver you. And we would laugh, we would laugh about it later on, you know. But um, it wasn't in the sentencing, it was the knowing of who he is, right? It was a know, the knowing of the price that he paid for our, not just salvation, but for our deliverance. He wants us delivered. 
So his, his blood consoles us, it delivers us. We trust even when we lack understanding. Trust will always produce a grateful heart, hearts of thanksgiving in all that he has done and all that he will yet do. Thankful always for all that he has done and accomplished in us through one, the only spotless lamb. And now who is the king? He is the king. He is the lion, no longer the lamb. For our, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That was his purpose. We have become the righteousness of God through his great covenant. We co-labor with him. In 1 Peter 2, it says, For um, behold, I lay in Zion a choice cornerstone, a precious, precious cornerstone. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. The enemy's goal is to get us to be fearful, to be doubtful. But in believing, we will not be disappointed. doesn't matter what happens. We are clinging to him. We're clinging to him. We're clinging to the cross. To believe is to entrust ourselves to him, to believe in him. Remembering the broken body and the blood of the lamb will cause us to trust in all things. His blood will cause us to follow the mission of the kingdom to the end. He establishes us. He confirms us. It doesn't have to be a trial that brings us to our knees. It should be all of that he has already accomplished that creates a heart of repentance and trust. We will serve him focused to the end of our last day on earth because he served and accomplished to the end his last breath and all that was accomplished for us and it's all been settled Isaiah 55 many of the translations um, the newer translations in Isaiah they take away this one word H-O hope right I guess that's how you I looked it up in, in, the, uh, in the Hebrew not that I know Hebrew but it was it was more like a two syllable word like hohi or something like that but Isaiah 55, it says this in my translation. Ho, everyone who thirsts come to the waters. And they took that one little word out. I guess maybe they thought it was just um, not important. But that one little word actually means this word is designed to call attention to the subject as one of great importance. It's like listen up, right? It's like God saying listen up. The prophet was saying, you need to hear this. This is going to be the greatest thing that you've ever heard, right? Hope. So he said, he who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. This scripture was fulfilled at the cross. And that's what he was saying. Everybody can come. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have money. He's just saying, come, I've supplied everything for you. That's the communion table, right? That's who we, that's who we are partnered with. That, who's, that is who, who bought us. That's the Father's heart that we would be reconciled always. And it was fulfilled at the cross. A better covenant. Rich and poor are all the same. We come freely, we eat, we drink from the wells of his salvation. Stop searching and wasting your funds. Come without payment. Salvation and deliverance has been secured in the life of Jesus Christ through his blood. Again, it's not just salvation. He has deliverance. He has freedom for us as we partake in the communion table. Acts 20, 28 says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. 
be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. It was his own blood. We, all we do is watch over, whether it's our children, whether it's the church, whether it's coworkers, whoever is in your field, those people have been purchased with a great price. We are bought and paid for the enemies of our souls having any legal rights to us anymore, and the Lord is very zealous to bring deliverance for all of us. Sometimes people come in and they're saved, but they don't, they don't get free of the issues. They don't get free of the, the, the demons that torment them, the thoughts and the, the worries and the pain. And yet Jesus Christ took all of that on the cross. Luke 22 says, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, and he said, This is my body, which is given to you. Do it in remembrance of me. That's why that's what our part is to remember. Remember what he has said. Remember what he, what he taught us. Remember the words he spoke on the cross. We are to remember Remember him, remembrance. It's a deliberate recollection done to better appreciate the effects, the intended results of what happened. And that's when we take communion. We need to not just take it out of habit, but it's a deliberate uh, function. It's a we do it deliberately to remember him. And then we remind ourselves what the enemy doesn't want us to be reminded of, his power, his deliverance, his freedom. He has possessed us. He's paid a great cost so that our mind would be free, our heart would be free, our lives would be free, our nation would be free, right? A great price. But the enemy wants to keep us in that place of you're saved, just get over it, just quit now, right? But that's not the intent of our Lord. To better appreciate the results, we want to have an appreciation and understanding of what it means to be bought with a great price, to understand our inheritance, the power of his delivering blood. And in the same way, he took the blood after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. I don't think they understood. I know I wouldn't have understood. We are here to remember him, the words he taught, the love he gave. He is a God of promise and integrity. He wants us to agree with this new contract, entrusting ourselves to him, believing always in his great power and mercy. His, he has great power and he has great mercy for his church. He loves us so much. Moses had to convince the Hebrews to put the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost for a great deliverance, right? To save their lives. We, through the Holy Spirit, convinced men to put the blood of Jesus over of the Passover lamb on the doors of their hearts. That's what we do today. The blood of Jesus is on our hearts. It's on our mind. And that's our job, to convince others. Listen, you want to, we want, God will rescue you like he rescued me. So the father cries, listen up, come without money and receive the free gift of salvation, the Passover lamb on the cross for all men, needy, sinful, and, and poor. Drink of the abundance of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has paid this great price. Who could refuse such a great salvation, right? When you really understand it, you understand why, you know, the prophet said, who could refuse such a great salvation. 
So remembering him in his every word, every moment of the crucifixion contains power. Every word he spoke on the cross is of great importance. We don't have time to go through over every word, but it's a great study for anyone to read through and, and to listen because every word that Jesus spoke on that cross had power, and I believe, my, my belief is it wasn't just power, but it was to instruct us then how to live, right? So his, the last words are, are important. We need to understand them and meditate on them. His broken body and blood is not just for salvation. That is only the beginning of our journey. He has given us an opportunity to be like him, like him and act like him, only possible through his promise, only possible through his pom- promise to finish what he started, right? Sometimes the enemy makes us think that we'll never, we'll never change. There's no hope for change. I'll always be tormented or I'll always, I'll always have this issue or this will never happen. I'll never see salvation in my home and on and on and on. That's what he does. That's, that's his job. That's what he does. But Jesus Christ is committed on that cross, not just the beginning, but the end of your journey. He's the greatest potter forming us and fashioning us and changing us into his likeness. Um, John 19 says, when Jesus saw his mother on the cross, he was on the cross, and he says, when he saw his mother and his disciples, whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. From that hour on, the disciple took her into his own household. In his agony, in his darkest moments, he was putting lives together. He was directing his sheep. He was bringing comfort to others. He was consoling by giving them each other. As the body of Christ, we are to take care of one another, and yet often people are not quick to share their needs and struggles. The Lord put this on my heart a few days ago, that it wasn't just about John and Mary. It was about how he wants us to take care of each other in the body. Obviously, um, we're not going to have communal life, thank God. Um, you know, that's not the point, but that we would love one another. You know, Jesus said they'll know you by, their, by your love, and we need to care for one another, see what the needs are, uh, and people need to be honest with their struggles, and they need to be able to come to somebody when they have a struggle, and they can sit in churches for years and years and years, and nobody knows that they're battling this, uh, this issue in their life, and there's no freedom for them. The Lord never intended that. He wants them to be brought into the home. He wants the father, he wants the mother and the son to come together, if, you, if I could put it like that, is what he put on my heart. So in his agony, he was still bringing lives together. And as the body of Christ, we need to be that for one another. Saying, behold your mother, behold your son. He gave a commandment to take care of one another. Sometimes in the church, we're comfortable, and we just sit there with the same issues, the same need. Each one will be different, but God wants us free of anything that hinders our relationship with him. He's zealous for that. He wants every hindrance broken of anything that would cause us to stumble or to stay in bondage. But the cross gave us power to love and to help one another. Seek him first always, but sometimes we need prayers of agreement with one another. There needs to be prayers uh, together. You know, sometimes we come in church. We don't have the bagels anymore, I know, but, um, you know, that we could fellowship around. But it's just, do you have a need? Do you want to pray about something? You know, you're not, not just to talk about it, like, but that as an example, or if people you work with, whatever. But there's always prayer going on, always going before the throne for one another. So the word says that we are to encourage one another, confess your sins to one another, give to one another. His blood has the power to set each captive free. In this, in this house, there should be freedom. There should be deliverance, peace, and joy. The price has been paid on the cross. His blood, his great covenant is with us from beginning to the end. Do not stop short in obtaining the fullness of God. Another thing he said on the cross 
was, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. It began a generational flow of his mercy upon all of us. They who witnessed and gave their approval, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Those who beat him and mocked him, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Powerful if we could grab hold of that truth for us today, that we would forgive one another and march on as one, as the Lord has intended us to. The power of forgiveness has the power to bring healing even into our nation. The power of forgiveness and love for one another doesn't mean you agree with one another. You just choose to love them. You choose to forgive. You choose to march on, right? He did all that on the cross. This is all communion message. So the father, he turned away from his son on the cross so we could come into his presence, so we could receive yet another chance and the ability to forgive. We don't have the ability to forgive. Only he can do that for us. He's the only one that can soften a heart. He's the only one that can take out the rocks and put in a heart of flesh. And he loves doing it. We should never forget where the Lord delivered us from and led us into. There should always be forgiveness. It is finished. He has forgiven through the requirement of redemption, the sacrifice of the spotless lamb. When we remember him in communion, we are remembering his life and sacrifice, his love, his forgiveness, his deliverance, his new covenant. When we talk of the blood, we understand the cost to redeem us, to unite us with the Father. It makes John 3, 16 uh, in a whole different light. You know, everybody memorizes that when they first get saved, right? For God so loved the world. But I memorized it, but it didn't have a lot of meaning to me. I mean, I understood it to a degree. But the more you spend time with the Lord, the more you travel with him, the more you see he, him do um, bringing victories in your life and changing you, you truly understand. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. It was like, this is the only hope for my children. I need to give. There needs to be blood sacrifice. And he was excited about it. So we cannot talk about the cross and leave it just there this morning without this, um, without, sorry, we cannot talk of the cross and leave it there this morning. The power of the cross is, is also the promised one. The result of his resurrection power is what I really wanted to focus on before we have communion. In John 16, 7, Jesus says this, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. If I go, I will send another. At the cross, we have access to the Father, but we also have access to another, the Spirit of the living God. In Jeremiah 31, 14, and I would ask everybody to memorize this verse. This is truly my favorite, my favorite, favorite, honestly favorite verse um, these last weeks. Jeremiah 31:14 says this. It's an amazing scripture. I will fill the souls of the priests with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. That couldn't happen without the cross. We couldn't, we couldn't claim that scripture without the cross. It would only be for a, for a, a choice few in the Old Testament, right, that were anointed, uh, just the ones. But now the many. He fills our soul with goodness. He fills us with the spirit of the living God. Why? So that we will have hope for one another, that we will have something to give. We don't have anything to give, but we have something. God gives us something precious so that others could be satisfied. That's the Father's heart. I will saturate the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people will be satisfied. He actually saturates us with his spirit. Again, could not be done without the cross. 
Fill me with your abundance that your people may be satisfied. What an amazing prayer and what an amazing promise to receive. We are and can continue to be filled with his abundance by his spirit so that those around us will be satisfied. We are called kings and priests. We have a mission to speak his word so that those around us will be satisfied, either to speak to them face to face or on our knees in our prayers time for them. But we have a, a great promise that we can be like him to sacrifice our life that other people would be saved. Either way, it's because the cross and resurrection, we have an abundance to share and we have an abundance to give. And I, I picked a, I wanna end with, with a story um, that I found uh, about a song that was written and the man who wrote it. And you're gonna say afterwards, well, why did you even tell us that? But my point is in it is that he was a man like we are. Like we are, He was born in the 1800s, 1700s, 1800s. He woke up in the morning like we did. He looked, he went to bed at night like we do. He looked at the same sky, looked at the same stars. He had similar issues and he had similar problems. But yet he had the ability to write a song giving praise to a savior that at one time he didn't know. To me, that's, a, that's a, probably the greatest miracle, right? The greatest miracle maybe to some could be a leg growing out or whatever, but the change of a heart to me is the most amazing, most amazing miracle. And that the song would last throughout the generations. And when he penned it, when he wrote it, he didn't know that it was going to be a, a hymn, you know, a hymn that they still sing today and has been refashioned and formed. Excuse me. So when Edward, um, Edward Moat, was born and raised in London area of England and lived from 1797 to 1874. He was not brought up in a godly home, nor was he exposed to scripture. His parents operated a pub in London and often neglected young Edward, who spent most of his Sundays playing in the city streets. He once reflected on his theological upbringing, stating, so ignorant was I that I didn't even know there was a God. When Edward was 15 years old, his parents apprenticed him to become a cabinet maker, and he honed his craft as a man. He became a skilled cabinet maker and had a successful business for 37 years. Through the influence of his master, who taught him, Mo attended church and came to the faith and was baptized at 18. Therefore, he devoted his free time to ministry. So at 18 years old, he has an experience with the Lord that never left him all those years. Actually, I'm going to get into his whole life. He began ministry after his career in cabinet making. In 1834, while on his walk to work one day, a thought came to him to write a hymn on the gracious experiences of a Christian. And that's why I picked this. Because we as God's people, his children, we have gracious experiences as Christians. And that's when we come around the communion table we want to remember. He's given us so much life. He's given us so much hope. And sometimes because of the negativity and the issues we're going through, the enemy gets us all bound up with that. And we forget to look and peer into eternity of what we really have. So he wanted to write on the Christian experience. By the time he traveled to his shop, he had finished the refrain. Before the day had finished, he had completed four verses. The following Sunday, he visited a friend whose wife was very ill. The friend described how, how he and his wife liked to observe the Sabbath by singing a hymn, reading a scripture, and having prayer together. Moat pulled out a copy of the hymn that was in his pocket, and he sang it to them. The friend's wife was so taken with the words that she requested a copy for herself, and that's how it actually began to spread. But the song became a popular hymn through to the next century and beyond. 
remakes to relate to the future generations, but carrying the same powerful words. And I just want to read the words of that song before we have communion. He says, um, again, in Jeremiah, I will fill the priest's soul. I will saturate them. And as I saturate your soul, you then will satisfy others. To me, that was a great example of Edward Moat. He saturated him with his spirit. He penned out a song that touched the lives of many. That's what the Spirit of God does in our life. And the song is, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. That's our stand, no matter what happens. Our stand is, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We can't trust in any frame, anybody any Moses, any, anybody. We appreciate them, but our trust is wholly around the communion table. We recommit ourselves to say, Lord, I trust in you and you alone. Thank you for every avenue that you give us, but my trust is in you, and it's in you alone. So our trust is built on that. Only the Spirit of God can deepen these words to our soul. He said, and he continues, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest in his unfailing grace. Isn't that it's just, a, I mean, actually, I couldn't even read it last night without, without crying, and I said, Lord, help me. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest in his unfailing grace. And that was not a statement of giving up. That's a statement of saying, wow, it's dark, but I'm holding on to your grace. Your grace is filled with power, right? Your grace is filled with punch. It's filled with fire. It's not giving up. When darkness seems to hide your face, I rest in your unfailing grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. And who is our anchor? Jesus Christ is our anchor. He's the one that, that holds us into the Holy of Holies. He's the one that holds us there so the Father blesses us and receives us. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I knew I'd say that. Stinking sand. I go, Lord, don't let me say that because Dawn's going to laugh. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. We need to know that. The new covenant that he gave us, that precious blood that he spilt, was his new covenant. His blood supports us in every overwhelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. So when you start doubting and you start falling and you start, you know, yelling at Moses and saying you're a false prophet, right? When you see the chariots coming to you in that last hour, you got to know that he's with you. You have to know that he's your stay. You have to know he's going to part the Red Sea again as he did before, right? He's going to help you. He's with us. He's never going to leave us. His covenant, the new covenant, the cross, the blood, is our strength and it's our firm foundation. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in righteousness alone, faultless, to stand before the throne. When we have communion, you have to know we are faultless before the throne. We're going to stand, each one of us, one day, walking into the kingdom of God. And the, if we can walk in, it's because we're faultless by his blood. It's not because we were good. It's not because we did anything. It's not because we served him. It's only because the Father sees that we held on to the cross in his blood. Isn't that awesome? That's our stand. That's our stay. Faultless. We who remember him, who eat of his broken body and drink of his poured out blood, we are faultless, we are forgiven, we are filled with his abundance, and when he returns, we will rise with him. In taking communion this morning, bow your hearts before him, thank him for all he has done, 
ask that he would ask that we would be like him. If you're unsure of this great salvation, tell him he will make a way in your heart and your mind. You do not have to understand with your intellect. So many people try to understand it with their intellect, right? We don't have to. We yield our heart. You just need to yield your heart to his mercy and his love. Be comforted in this hour and remember that he is on the throne. He's never left it. His goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Revelation 12:11 says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That's how we overcome, not just testifying what Jesus has done, but holding on to what the blood means, holding on to the cross, understanding that, not holding on to political views, not holding on to a, a denominational view, all those things we have, you know. But the thing is, above all those things, is we're holding on to the cross of Jesus Christ. We're holding on to his blood. So they overcame through that, and they did not love their life even unto death. Why would they? They didn't care. They knew. They knew that they had such a great kingdom to go to. So in taking communion today, um, I'm going to just read this. If you guys can try to, try to open here. So in 1 Corinthians, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I have also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we eat it, remembering all that we just spoke of, all of his power, all that he's given, the great price he paid uh, for us, and the victory he's given us, not just salvation, but for full deliverance in his broken body. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And again, we're remembering his new covenant that cannot be taken from us. And we drink it glorifying him and thanking him for every drop he spilt for us. And then it says, for often as you eat bread, this bread, and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so if you were just to read that scripture, you wouldn't think that it was a positive thing proclaiming the Lord's death, right, until he comes. But we're proclaiming that his death did all that we just spoke about. His death accomplished so much um, that the devil, he was shaken. He, he thought he had him. He thought he killed the king of glory. He didn't realize he was being set up for the greatest outpour of the spirit of the living God. So now he didn't have just one person to contend with. He had all of us to contend with because God, he fills us with his spirit. We can all be like Edward Mote, who pens out a song, who pens out some words that would satisfy the needs of others through his amazing grace. So if we could just stand, uh, stand and um, end today with this song. And keep your heart focused again on all the all that he's done. <laughs>